Another edition of Flea Market Fantasy, the world's second greatest Bronze Age era comic book podcast. Joining me as always is new Mike L. Kevin Jank. Want to see my bing bang stick? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, wait, I guess that is a quote from this issue. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Definitely uh, terminology, anyway. <laughs> you just perverted it for your own means. <laughs> but, uh, Jank, this, like <laughs> this was your choice this week. Tell everybody what we're going to be reading. Uh, we're going to be reading DC Comics Presents number 35 from July of 1981, I do believe. Yes. Now, the cover, it's Superman and Man Bat. Yep. Which seems like an odd combination. But what's the yeah. real reason we're reading this, Jake? Well, there's two stories in this DC Comics Presents. That's the kind of the first story, the lead off. But then there's a backup story, essentially, that's called Whatever Happened to Rex the Wonder Dog featuring Detective Chimp. That's right. Detective <laughs> Chimp. At the moment, I am working on a book about a Detective Chimp. So this yeah. is perfect synergy here. This You're always good. calling Quentin Tarantino a, a hack for ripping things off. And here you are, <laughs> hoisted on your own petard. <laughs> Not a Detective Chimp. But uh, I'm very excited to talk about Detective Chimp. But before we get into all that... Let's uh, remind everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We're up to 92 subscribers, Jank. Ooh. 92. Oh, 100 was within range. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Maybe we should do a special thing for whoever is the 100th subscriber, you know? Ooh. Like, smoky uh, jacket? Or maybe a dinner <laughs> with Kevin Jank. You know, you can talk, <laughs> talk, talk to Bell and yep. Baja Blast. It would be great. <laughs> and again, leave your questions and comments. And if you have any books you would like us to read, let us know, because i, I got to tell you, it's getting slim pickings. I don't know. I'm struggling. Oh. I'm struggling. <laughs> I still got some good ones in the chamber. All right. I don't know if they're good, but at least they're, they're ones we haven't done. I'll tell you how bad it's gotten. That uh, Here's a, a tease for the end of the uh, episode here, but I'm picking another DC comic book when we get to the end. So. <laughs> this will be like my third in a row, I believe. Yeah, you rattled off like five of them that you were going to pick last time. I so know. Uh, but what has become of me? All right, so uh, let's get into this. DC Comics Presents. This series was published from 1978 to 1986, and that span included 97 issues and four annuals. It's basically uh, DC's version of Marvel Team-Up. Like, the book always featured yeah. Superman teaming up with various other heroes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is yeah. very similar. Yeah, yeah not, I was thinking it was more like Marvel Comics Presents, because they pretty much have the same name, but no, uh, that was more just an anthology where, yeah, that was basically the whole premise of Marvel Team Up was let's put Spider-Man with somebody else. Yep, that's right. So from issue 25 to 48, the book also included a backup feature called Whatever Happened To that focused yeah. on minor or forgotten characters. And that's how we get Rex the Wonder Dog in this issue. It's uh, Whatever Happened To Rex the Wonder Dog. No mention of uh, Detective Champ. But. Nope. That's a real case. And apparently the, the issue after this, like, it seems like there's two whatever happened to star, or stories instead of actually having Superman, it sounds like. They could have just did uh, whatever happened to Man Bat, because no one knows whatever yeah. happened to that guy. Hey, <laughs> hey, Man Bat's great. <laughs> oh, Although really? apparently I knew very little about him. I only knew him mostly from the animated series, which was very uh, different. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that then. You can explain all that. Man Bat's real name is Robert Kirkland Langston, but I guess yeah. he goes by Kirk Langstrom. And his first appearance was in Detective Comics, issue 400, 1970. Editor Julius Schwartz came up with the concept, and then the character was developed by Frank Robbins and Neil Adams. I can see Neil Adams doing a good man bat. Uh, Langstrom was a zoologist who developed an ex extract designed to give humans sonar abilities. When he tested the extract on himself, 
turned him into a man bat. Yeah, that was a thing in comics. Why are all these scientists always testing these experimental serums <laughs> on themselves? Seems like a bad idea. You're the only one who can fix it if it goes wrong, and you're a man bat. And I guess, like, originally he was, like, a feral uh, man bat, you know, like, just a wow bat. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot that of... That was uh, the animated series version. It was very just uh, not a lot of talking or uh, <laughs> higher thought, reasoning, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I think the guy who helped him was uh, Batman, right? Then he devised something yeah. to help him out, and then... So now when he turns into a bat, uh, again, it's just a giant, he's a man bat, you know, just a big bat. <laughs> yeah, he's like the inverse of Batman, just like yeah. his name is. He's more bat than man, whereas Batman is kind of more man than bat. And you know he's a man because he wears pants. But at least they're not purple pants, so at least he's buying brown <laughs> trousers. <laughs> nice pair of khakis. But in this book, he can actually, like, think and, you know, interact and stuff when he's yeah. a bat. He's not just a crazy old bat. So, hey, but I guess he's like a superhero, essentially. Like they say, he's like a crusader in Gotham. In this, uh, the character had his own yeah. series in 1975, but it lasted only two issues. So it's <laughs> like, wait, who, who gave this the green light? Really take off, yeah. It's not like the Clark's animated series canceled after two episodes. Uh, the, the villain in this. Uh, oh wait, before we get to the villain, is there anything you would like to tell us about Man Bat in the animated series? Uh, it was a very cool look in the animated series. I really liked it. It was more just brown and kind of more scary looking than this version is. Again, very animalistic, very primal, just not a lot of thought. Uh, although I guess he did, he was kind of like stealing the chemicals he needed to keep himself a man bat. So I guess he still had some of it, that brain power in there somewhere. But it was just a lot of snarling. But he looked really cool. I had the action figure when I was a kid. Loved it. Oh, look uh, at you. Thought recently left it out in the sun apparently when I was a kid, so it's kind of discolored. <laughs> but other than that, looks good. So you have a very personal connection to Man Bat. Yeah, I mean, I love that toy. It was pretty great. Like it's a, it's a good look. And uh, one, I usually have been crapping on Grant Morrison lately, but I would say one good thing he I remember him doing in his Batman run was uh, there was a thing where like the League of Assassins, like, you know, the Rachel Gould people, like, they got a hold of the Man Bat serum, and they were just, like, making, you know, ninja assassins that were also Man Bats. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. That, <laughs> that is, is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, uh, the villain in this book is the Atomic Skull. Oh, yeah. Pretty great name. <laughs> skull. Good luck. I'd never heard of him, this guy before, but hey, well, we actually did kind of hear of him uh, with the Blue Devil. Remember at the end of Blue Devil, he... uh the trickster said he might go work for Skull or something. Or Oh. Remember that? This guy. It, yeah, Skull is the corporation where Atomic Skull is like the leader. Of, uh, all right, here's the backstory. His name is Albert Michaels. His first appearance was Superman 303, 1976, created by Jerry Conway and Kurt Swan. And he was the chief administrator of Star Labs Metropolis. He suffered from debilitating seizures and a criminal scientific organization called Skull developed a brain implant to treat his condition, and he repaid them by giving them Star Lab technology. But he did it to save his life, so what can you do? Skull. What life it was, apparently, as we find out what he's been up to in this comic. Yeah, this is very disturbing. <laughs> but uh, this Skull organization, they're kind of, again, like Marvel's AIM, I would say. You know, I, I advanced idea mechanics. Is that, that's what that is, right? AIM? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Skull, I can't uh, find that it's an acronym. Whenever you see it printed, it's all in all caps and everything, but everything I read about it, no one says there's an acronym for it, so I guess it's just Skull. <laughs> just because they're wearing Skull masks. Yeah, they just stuck with the theme. So that's how he became bad there. But when they uh, implanted the, the special device in his brain to help with the seizures, it didn't exactly work as planned. 
it would focus his bioelectricity generated during the seizures and shoot it out like an energy blast. Not what you're looking for in a medical procedure, I would say. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he uh, used his new powers, though, to take over Skull. And he became, he overthrew the leadership and he became the new leader of Skull. And we'll talk about uh, what he looks what like. What they get for giving the employees a health plan. Now this guy's got <laughs> brain seizure power. Yeah, that is kind of an odd origin for a superpower. Well, I have seizures. <laughs> then they put this thing in my brain. Uh, the writer here is Martin Pascoe. I swear we've talked about Martin Pascoe in the past, but I can't remember where or when. So, <laughs> yeah, we need health database. <laughs> yeah, real quickly, uh, he's a Canadian writer. He has 269 writing credits at DC. He did a lot of action comics, about 26 issues of Superman, and one issue of Man Bat. From those two issues oh. that he had, he did issue two, I believe. <laughs> and, he got real affinity for Man Bat. And he also did seven issues of DC Comics Presents. He won a Daytime Emmy Award for his work on Batman the Animated Series. Hey, look at that. And he also That's worked good... on ba Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, that was a good, uh, I, you know, I hate Batman, but I, I used to watch that cartoon all the time. So. Yeah. It's honestly probably the, the greatest comic book cartoon show. Yeah, probably. It's on a long time, too, right? It was on several yeah. years. Huh? The artist for this book is Kurt Swan. Uh, we've also talked about him many times on the on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And he had a 40-year career. He drew more than 1,000 covers and 18,000 pages for DC, with about 80% of those being in the Superman family of books. I can't remember which episode we really broke down Kurt Swan's career, but we did all the stats and all. It's staggering the amount of yeah. <laughs> pages he did. <laughs> He's pretty much the most famous Superman artist. So. Yep, and maybe Dan Jurgens and then below him, but yeah, definitely Kurt Swan by you know a country mile. So, all right, is there anything else about this first story? Let's just do this one and then we'll uh, get into the main event. Yeah, get to the real meat of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Please describe the cover for us, Jack. Okay, it's uh, it's not a great cover. I'll say that right off. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan. But uh, it says at the top we got it says extra. Whatever happened to Rex the Wonder Dog? And you see Rex the Wonder Dog. He's just kind of this white dog jumping around. Books fifty cents, all new. So that's that's good. That's what you want. <laughs> what uh, if it's fifty percent only partly new? Just it's, it's all new. That's a lot of one new panel. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, then we get the DC Comics Presents logo. It's pretty much just the DC logo uh, all in green and then like a banner that says Comics and Presents. And then it lists the, the heroes here. We got Superman and Man Bat. And the Man and, Bat logo is very much like the old school Batman logo. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> just says Man Bat instead of Batman, but it's the same thing. Yep, very much like that 60s kind of Batman logo. And then we get it's a shot of like the sky. They're They're in the Arctic. Skull and his lady friend are on their little hover scooters, and uh, Skull is shooting at Man Bat. He's gotten blasted, and he says, that takes care of Man Bat. You're next, Superman. And his lady's like, once he's disposed of Atomic Skull, we can loot his fortress. So I guess they're by the fortress of solitude at this point. Yes, and this cover is drawn by Ross Andrew. And uh, inked by Dick Giordano. Yeah. I love Dick Giordano as an anchor. He's, he's awesome. Of course, Ross Andrew we know from Amazing Spider-Man, and I loved his work on there. Well, what a weird color on uh, the man bat here. Where he's got like fruit punch mouth. <laughs> very pink all around the mouth. It's very strange. What's the deal in the uh, mountains there, the Fortress of Solitude area? There's like, see that little yellow like arrow in the mountain? Yeah. There? What is that exactly? It's like an elevator. I don't know yeah, why it's going up, but it's already at the top level. But I don't know if we need that there. 
but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like this cover either. The entrance, I guess. But I don't know why there's a barrel on it. it. It's just very flat. Yeah, the composition isn't the best. There's a lot of negative space there, and uh, man, bat looks dope. His face makes him look so dopey. <laughs> It's more like a shot of Superman from the back. It's like if you really like Superman's ass, I guess this is the one for you. But <laughs> yeah, it could have been something better here. But why don't you describe what uh, Atomic Skull and his lady friend they have? They're wearing they're wearing like almost identical outfits, slight differences. Yeah. Right? Would you like to describe them for us? Essentially, it's a yellow, bright yellow mask that covers like down to the nose area. Like uh, his lady friend, her face is uncovered, but he's got like a white skull uh you know mask below that other mask covering his jaw area and yeah she has a normal human face like at the bottom yeah. there, but he has a skull uh, but she's also got a boob window which is you yeah know, you gotta have that they <laughs> <laughs> got these yellow shirts he's got a skull a picture of a skull on his she has Again, a boob window brand. yep <laughs> no, no room for a logo for her then they've got like green boots and uh green gloves a green little belt uh, and the, the piece de resistance is the green cape with the kind of big flared Doctor Strange collar. Yeah, no, it looks like, at least on the cover, her collar at <clears throat> the back, it seems like yellow and green striped. Yeah. But uh, they basically look like mascots for, like, Sprite. Uh, yes. <laughs> They're very lemonade line. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we open up the book, and it's uh, DC Comics presents Superman and Man Bat. And we get a little uh, background here for Superman. Rocketed to Earth from the doomed planet Krypton, Kal-El became the world's greatest superhero. While zoologist Kirk Langstrom created a serum to give himself sonar powers, accidentally turning himself into a humanoid bat. What a tag team these two are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the team up everyone was demanding. But uh, DC's doing that stupid thing they do where the splash page shows you a picture from later in the story. Yeah, I was never Although it, there's so much like backstory at the top that they it's not really even a splash page. It's like half the page. And we see uh, Man Bat and uh, Superman fighting Atomic Skull and his lady friend. Did, does she have a name besides lady friend? I don't know. Um. Oh, Felicia. Oh, yeah. That, okay. That makes sense Tom, later. Atomic Skull yeah. <laughs> and Felicia. Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> like Atomic Felicia. And uh, they're on their little hover scooters, and they're shooting. Man, Man Bat is getting gassed with something, and uh, Superman's blocking a laser beam with his hand. It kind of looks like the laser beam's coming out of uh, Atomic Skull's underpants there. <laughs> a little bit. It's lined up pretty perfectly. All right, so when the story opens, though, Jank, we're at a uh, TV news station, because this is the era when uh, Clark Kent worked at a TV news station. Yeah, I think, wasn't like, I think he was still working at the Daily Planet, but just their TV branch. So they're just getting off with the uh, news report there. They, they just uh, shut it down. And he, I guess this is the main – what was Clint, uh, Clark Kent's uh, gig here on – Did I guess he was an on-camera person. Did he, like, do weather uh, and sports? Yeah, or maybe, was he? maybe he's, like, the field reporter. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah. And it looked like it looks like the main TV news anchor is like, hey, hey, Clark, why don't we go hit up a disco after work? Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, I really don't want to go to a disco with you. I'm Clark Kent. I want to go sit in my basement and watch wrestling. He's like, oh, this guy sucks. I don't want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> so, like, and then Clark Kent, is, he's thinking in his thoughts there. He's like, the duller I am, the less likely that they could think that Clark Kent could be Superman. <laughs> yeah, if the glasses yeah. weren't enough, this will really trick him. Uh, yep, the slightly slicked hair. Yeah. Even though you're built like a brick shit house. 
And then uh, some guy comes in. He's like, hey, Clark, here's that film you borrowed from uh, Star Lab. And, and Clark's like, so? And he's like, well, hey, you borrowed it. You return it there. So he's like, all right. <laughs> Clark Kent's going to rewind it. We don't, we're not paying those fees. <laughs> so Clark Kent's going to take the film back to Star Labs. And uh, he says, hey, before I get over there, I should see uh, what's going on. He uses his x-ray vision to, like, look across the city, I guess. I don't know. Like, And he sees a man bat falling through the skylight at Star Labs. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it's not a skylight. It looks like it's an actual window on the side of the building. All right, so what happens here, Jank? Man bat breaking into Star Labs. <laughs> yeah, he's after something. But uh, some weird energy bubble starts coming down. And he's like, oh, well, this thing's too small to, you know, get me if I just stretch my wings out. Because clearly, you know, wings will stop a giant energy bubble. <laughs> <laughs> but turns out it can expand. So it's like we we planned for this for a man bat attack. And it just goes around his wings. Uh, it's energy, though. So he can like tele- it only affects like organic matter or biological beings. Mm-hmm. So his big plan is he's going to throw something through it. Chuck yeah, something. that does seem like a real flaw. That's kind of like a Death Star-esque flaw where it's like, yeah, you can still throw stuff out of it. So he just rips up a piece of the flooring and throws it up and smashes the uh, control panel. But now all these robots come out with, like, tentacles. Uh-oh. And Superman just busts in through the window. Man, Star Labs, a lot <laughs> of broken windows they're going to have to fix. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of handymen. But Superman busts in, and he's not even, like, upset at the Man Bat there, you know? He's like, oh, I'll help you fight off these robots. Well, isn't Man Bat, like, didn't you think he was a thief? Or, like, why are you coming yeah. in fighting the robots when... That is just... weird. Like, these, they're just doing their job. Exactly. The place. <laughs> they weren't trying to kill him or anything. Like, they're just capturing him because he's an intruder. <laughs> Man Bat, uh, in order, the one robot grabs his arm or his wing or something, I don't know. And he's like, oh, I better get out of here. I know how I can get out of this. So he pops a pill because the answer to all society's woes is uh, taking a pill. And yep. what, it, it reverts him back to his human form. And all of a sudden he's outside of the claw now because he doesn't have that wing. And the claw is unable to, you know, compensate for the guy shrinking slightly. He hides in the shadows there now in his human form because he doesn't want Superman to see who he is. Again, Superman has x-ray vision. He just saw across town. You're Kirk Langstrom, some guy that works at a zoo. Like, how is he going to know who the f- you are? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was like some big celebrity or something. No, he just works at the zoo. Yeah. He's not Bruce Wayne. We're like, oh, people will recognize that millionaire playboy. Like, you're just some guy at a zoo. <laughs> don't ruin my reputation. You work at a zoo. No one cares. Yeah, like, it's in Gotham. It's not even the city. Superman doesn't know you. That's right. This is Metropolis. So uh, he finally convinces him. He's like, yeah, I trust because Superman's like, hey, are you that man bat guy Batman told me about? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want you to let, know my true identity. But I guess if I can't trust Superman, who can I trust? And yeah. so he walks out of the shadows and he lets him see that I am Kirk Langstrom, zoologist. He's like, oh, you're very good. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't even need to tell him that. Like, he still could have brought the guy like Superman back home with him without telling him his full name. Like, he didn't need to do that. Like, you just show him, like, hey, here's my daughter. Like, you don't have to tell him your names. Yeah, so then we see up above the Star Labs there, there's a giant floating skull. It's a very unique design for a ship. Like the teeth of the it's skull. Like one of those harmonicas that like singing telegram guys <laughs> exactly play. Right. Kind of shaped like a skull. That's what I was thinking. So, but he's like, uh, atomic skulls in there, and he's like, hey, the bugging device I concealed in the Star Laboratory is working perfectly, Felicia. Listen. And then Kirk Langstrom is uh, telling Superman why he had to break into Star Labs. And what's his reasoning here, Jank? He, well, he takes him home to see his wife and daughter. 
and they're good. They got like this baby there. Apparently, his wife was also a man bat at one point, or she bat. <laughs> she which bat I believe yeah. they do that on the uh, the animated series as well. They got cured, and then they had a baby together. And the baby is now showing signs of having like sonar hearing. Like it's got the baby clearly has super hearing because it can't fall asleep because it keeps hearing everything, and it's you know. They're like, this is starting to get bad. Like, if the baby doesn't sleep sometime in the next couple of weeks, like, he's not going to make it. So they're trying, they were going to use the Star Labs device to try to fix this problem. But Superman was like, oh, they gave up on that project like weeks ago. Then, even if you got it, it wouldn't help you any. But he's like, I just might happen to have just the thing in my Fortress of Solitude. So let's go there. Because I can't oh, bring it here. Like, they might get broken. Yeah, so I'll just fly uh, you, uh, your wife, and your very ill baby to the, <laughs> the Arctic Circle. Yeah, look, there's that yellow door with the arrow on it again in this panel. So I don't know what that is. I guess that's the entrance, but it seems odd. All right, so... uh yeah. throw people off, like, this is not the entrance, this says up. <laughs> yeah, the entrance is up <laughs> So they go to the Fortress of Solitude. Superman's uh, wiring up the baby there to his big alien technology machine. Uh, I think he said he got it from aliens or something, I don't know. And yeah. just just out of nowhere, the Atomic Skull and Felicia just bust into the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? And they don't even explain how yeah. they did it or anything. They're just like, hey, congratulating you. Yellow door. Yeah. My new partner and I have just become the first people to successfully break into your fortress. But then there's an editor's note. Michaels doesn't yep. uh, know that Brainiac recently pulled off the same feat. Man, <laughs> yeah, security. how does everybody even know there is a fortress in solitude, let alone know who has been there or not? <laughs> Why does he think he's the first one? I would have liked to have seen how they broke in. You know, that might have been nice. Yeah, instead of them just yeah. appearing in the middle of the uh, fortress there. I always liked, uh, I, I know we encountered this before in one of the Superman books we read, but like there's a, a, a big door there to get in the Fortress of Solitude, and there's a key, and Superman just leaves the key right in front of the door, but uh, like the key is so heavy, no one else can lift it. So I think yeah. that's a pretty good gimmick. You know, like, yeah, there's the key. Yep. Try and get it. But he's the only guy that can lift it. So that's pretty awesome. So yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's other. With you know super strength, they could do it. Like if Solomon Grundy shows up, you're oh, in trouble. Man. Solomon Grundy's the <laughs> man. I love Solomon Grundy. <laughs> yeah. All right, so they start fighting, and uh, Atomic Skull just zaps Superman, sends him flying with his bioelectricity brain bursts, and uh, <laughs> like a wall collapses on Superman, and they just fly off. They steal that machine because they want that machine. Whatever yep. it is doing to the daughter, they 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 need to use it for something else, and we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. They're like it, it holds the, the key to metamorphosis. Yeah, now it's ours. They're like all this cryptic talk of metamorphosis. What can it mean? Oh, just you wait. <laughs> so Atomic Skull and Felicia tear off uh, outside. There, they're going to make their escape on the little flying uh, hover scooters or whatever. And Manbat chases after him, and Superman's after him. And Felicia hits Manbat with some poison gas, so he falls, and then Superman. Skull well, gets, shoots the uh, the ray that he just stole from the fortress at Superman, uh, and then Superman starts falling. He's like, "Oh no, I can't fly anymore. What's going on?" Yeah, so Manbat grabs Superman. He's like, "Relax, Superman. I've got you." That's Superman. He can just fall. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> only for a moment, Manbat, and then uh, Felicia zaps him. I think so. Superman and Manbat are both falling to the earth, and Superman's yeah. like. Uh, Man, only one thing to do, fluff up the snow under us with a burst of super breath and then whip up a snowdrift to cushion our fall. 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that seems pretty uh, <laughs> not scientifically accurate, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Man Bat's, hey, the saucer. And when Man Bat talks, there's always a screek thrown in. There's like the yeah. saucer, screek. It's disappearing. That gets annoying real quick. Sure does. So uh, Superman says, oh, I wonder what's going on here. I guess they hit me with that ray, and it apparently changed my molecular structure. So I can only uh, use one superpower at a time. So he was using a super strength, but he couldn't fly. So he's like, huh, this is really... Yeah, but they said like he was using his super strength and he was holding on to the thing. But once he was falling, shouldn't he have been able to fly again? He's not using his strength or anything. I don't know. It's all very... It's all very suspect. Yeah. But, and uh, Manbeck is flying after the people there, uh, Atomic Skull and their little ship, and Superman's still trying to th- reason things through. Now we cut back up to the uh, Atomic Skull and his lady friend Felicia, and she takes off her mask, and she's a very foxy brunette. Look at her. Yeah. But she's like, hey, uh, hurry, it's beginning. I can feel it. I'm starting to change back. What do you think that could mean? Starting to change back. And uh, so now we come back to uh, Man Bat's carrying Superman by the cape and his feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty awkward. (laughs) So they fly up above. The skull is using like some uh, cloaking device, so their ship is kind of invisible. But Superman can see it, of course, because he's Superman. Man Bat drops him down like a a little uh, bomb. And he goes feet first, crashing through the top of the ship. And he's like, excuse me for not knocking first, Dr. Michaels, but I'm in a hurry. And he's like stiff as a board flying through there. It's pretty <laughs> so uh, Felicia grabs the ray gun and she goes running away with it. Atomic Skull tries to hit Superman. Superman does the old, uh, like, dare- like, remember, I love that when Daredevil would jump and there'd be all kind of Daredevils behind him. Yep. And like Superman does that here. And then he just yeah, zaps him in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. And he zaps him in the back of the head with his heat ray vision, like just murdering him, right? Is that what he does? He just murders <laughs> He could have just cured the guy's tumors and this would all be over. Just zap it real good. Uh, I guess so. There is a, a switch built into your helmet when you attacked me in the fortress. And I had a hunch that's how you controlled your brain bolts. And now Man Bat is chasing Felicia. And why don't you explain us the big reveal here with Felicia Chang? <laughs> so uh, Man Bat gets a good look at Felicia, and she's kind of turning into like a cat person, it would seem. And she says, I won't let you have this. My species has a shorter lifespan than humans. And if I'd ever become human, I would have died. Or if I'd never become human, I would have died by now. And so she and Man Bat start fighting over it. And, uh, okay, you're, you're still kind of like, what's going on here? But it turns out her backstory is that she was a panther, <laughs> uh, just a regular panther, and uh, old Atomic Skull there turned to a lady and then became so smitten with her that he was like, well, I'm just going to start banging this cat panther. I guess. <laughs> right. This whole issue is based on the premise that Atomic Skull wanted to make sweet, sweet love to a cat. That's the whole issue. Yeah. Now, Mike Dell, you are a cat lover yourself. I do love cats. I do love cats. I'd have to assume even you would have a line. Yeah, I never once wanted to turn a cat into a lady so I could have sex with it. But Atomic Skull, that's why he's a criminal genius. He's always thinking. There is no off position on the genius switch with the Atomic Skull. So, yeah, the uh, Felicia, though, she zaps herself with the laser beam when they're struggling. 
So then we cut back to see uh, Atomic Skull and Superman. The, the UFO or the little flying saucer they're in went out of control, like tilted up. So Skull kind of fell out the uh, top of it, and he's hanging on. <laughs> and uh, Atomic Skull's like, satisfied, Superman, you've won. I'm about to fall to my death. And Superman's like, try to hang on just one more second. Superman's like monkeying around with some controls on the ship. Uh, he's trying to restart the yeah, engine. He's trying to keep the saucer from uh, like destroying the city below <laughs> by crashing but, into it. But then uh, Atomic Skull just lets go. And he lost his ear, but he just falls to his death. And Superman just yeah. doesn't even care. Well, I mean, they 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 do say that Superman's like, well, I could fly after him, but it would be super slow because I can't use my super speed. So, <laughs> so I'm not even going to try. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess he could have just, like, used his super speed to fall that far and then, you know, kick in the flight after that. Why didn't he use his super breath to fluff up some snow? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, in, in his thoughts, he's like, as a result of what he did to me, he's doomed. So Superman just <laughs> He's like, you wronged yep. me, dude. You're going to die because of it. So now you we come. change my powers. It's your own fault. We cut back into the ship, and uh, there's Manbat screeching again. Good Lord. But he's like, uh, how could Michaels take a creature like Felicia as a mate? <laughs> Superman says, it's all in this book. <laughs> Superman has a book about how to turn people into cats into you know, sex mates. But it's like, it's all in this book I found, a work diary detailing his experiments. Dr. Michaels had developed an evolutionary ray for heaven knows what evil purpose. And the <laughs> well, we know what evil purpose it was. He wanted yeah. to have sex with a cat. <laughs> and the creature he called Felicia was originally a test animal, a lab specimen. His ray succeeded in transforming the female panther into a woman. Evidently, she was so beautiful, so alluring. That against all reason, Michaels fell in love with her. <laughs> now we come back and we just see the panther just taking a nap there in the background. And, yeah. uh, but the effect well, of Mike... The panther might be dead because of its you oh, know, really? short lifespan. Yeah. Oh, no. I thought, I thought she was just taking I think a nap. That's why she was, like, afraid to change back. She was just like, oh, like, yeah, like, I'm supposed to be dead by now in my species. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought she was, you know, just taking a nap. <laughs> it just broke my heart here. All right. The effect of Michael's machine was only temporary, and he needed the sonic wave device to make it permanent. Felicia was starting to turn back as we struggled when the machine went off. It must have accelerated her regression to her true self. So, yeah, I guess she's dead. All right, Jake, so now we cut back to the uh, <laughs> the Fortress of uh, Solitude, and we see Superman, uh, Kirk Langstrom, and his wife, and the little itty-bitty baby, and they're zapping her with the ray. Yeah, she's sleeping, and they're like, oh, and also they cured my powers thing, where I can use my powers all at once again. So they just wrap that up very nicely and very neatly <laughs> in about one panel. <laughs> yeah. The closing panel, uh, the Skull Organization always seems to survive, no matter how many times uh, it's been destroyed. How can I be sure its leader is any different? So they're they're leaving it open there, that Atomic Skull survived. And I guess he did survive somehow. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> There's always a way. So there it is, and uh, oh, thank God you picked this issue, because next issue, the saga of the Stellar Sentinel <laughs> concludes, uh, the Stellar Sentinel conclude when he teams, man, come on, we need an editor on this book, yeah. when he teams up with Superman in a 25-page epic, whatever happened to Starman, wow, do I hate Starman. <laughs> Remember when, like, I was picking Starman, like, every week, and we had to read his yep. Starman books? Good God. I sure do. So, yeah. Go ahead. Not any favorite era. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the Superman story, Jack? Um. Well, 
for the most part, it wasn't the best written, I would say. But at the same time, the the pure insanity of the whole yes. making a panther into a lady is definitely going to be memorable. Yeah, this is uh like on the LCS show, we always review bad movies. And uh, there's a fine line between terrible awesome and just terrible. And this is so uh, crazy that, uh yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, he, so, I don't know. It's pretty good. But, it definitely left an impression. That's for sure. So there it is. That's the Superman. That's enough of that nonsense. Hey, remember that Superman story Mike L made me read where he was like a hooker or he's picking up that guy in the snow? Remember that? He was like, yeah, up to his- yeah Christmas with the superheroes. <laughs> that was weird. That Christmas money. Superman male prostitute. That was strange. <laughs> All right. So now uh, let's talk about the backup story here. Whatever happened to Rex the Wonder Dog? And uh, Rex, uh, his first appearance was in Adventures of Rex the Wonder Dog, issue one, 1952. He was created by Robert Kaniger uh, and Alex Toth. And his series lasted 46 issues between 1952 and, and 1959. Wow, was that's a lot for a dog that doesn't <laughs> actually talk to anyone. <laughs> he was gone from comics for 18 years and still, until Steve Englehart uh, brought him back for Justice League issue 144 in 1977. And his next appearance was in this very comic. And he's made sporadic appearances since then, including Secret Origins issue 48 in 1990. But Rex is a white shepherd dog who served in the Army's canine corps, and he was selected as a test subject for a super soldier serum, which granted him enhanced strength, speed, stamina, and intelligence. <laughs> wow, so, they couldn't get a Steve Rogers, so they're like, let's try a dog. Because the DC's like, dang, they have Captain America, what can we do? How can we rip off Captain America without ripping, oh, let's make him a dog. <laughs> hey, and how about we make a machine where you turn the dog into a lady and then we can have sex with it? How about that? Can we do that? No, we can't do that yet. That's a little thrilling. Maybe in the 80s. The wonder. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, Rex, he had all sorts of wartime adventures, and uh, he then returned stateside with his handler, Major Dennis. Once uh, stateside, he started investigating crimes. So he was like a detective going around solving crimes. Busting criminals. And uh, he had a brother named Pooch. <laughs> of course he did. His brother was not a test subject in that experiment, so he had no superpowers. But he served with the Losers in World War II. You've heard of the Losers, right? Sorry, I think they had a movie. Yeah, they did. So uh, how about that? Pooch and Rex oh. Wonder Dog. All right, now let's get to the main event here. Uh, Detective Chimp. Yep. Star of the show. Yeah. His real name <laughs> is Bobo T. Chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing T stands for the. Right? Yep. Oh, oh. Always does. <laughs> and his first appearance was Adventures of Rex the Wonder Dog, issue four, 1952. He was created by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. And after his first appearance, he became a regular backup feature in the Rex book until it ended in 1959. He started out as a smart but relatively normal chimp. <laughs> his uh, trainer, Fred Thorpe, was murdered. Bobo helped the local sheriff solve the case. And I think that's the backstory for his appearance in this issue. But, of course, it's D.C., so. Yeah, this is they had to reboot it eight, eight times. Yes. So I guess the most popular current backstory for uh, Detective Chimp is that Fred Thorpe found Bobo in Africa. He brought him back to the United States to be part of a carnival act. Uh, and he dressed him up like Sherlock Holmes. And he would have, like, the audience ask him questions or something. And then he would press a button, yes or no, or I don't know. It was some sort of carnival gimmick like that. And I, yeah. I guess they're just doing that sort of stuff. 
But one thing that was consistent with the story we're reading today, because in this issue, Bobo and Rex stumble upon the Fountain of Youth. <laughs> they drink from it. I don't know. <laughs> yep. It's a little weird. <laughs> they kept that part? <laughs> yeah, they kept that part. Wow. So uh, when Bobo drinks from the Fountain of Youth, he gets really smart. And he gets, like, human intelligence and he can talk. So it kind of ruined their carnival act because when people ask him questions, like, he just one day he just busts out on stage and he's like, hey, lady, I know you murdered your sister and you hit her in that well. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Someone get this chip of raincoat and a cigar. <laughs> chip Colombo. So uh, the carnival act ends. So uh, Bobo, he decides that he's going to become a legit detective. So he opens up the detective agency. And he's solving crimes and whatnot. But the problem is he starts running across these clients who refuse to pay him even after he does the work because he's a chimp, you know, and he, he can't, he can't Can take their faces and genitals off as chimps are known to do. That's, that's all fake news. Don't believe that. Chimps are awesome. <laughs> so, but the, uh, the chimp there, Bobo, he's like, well, I'm going to take you to court, you know, and get my money. But he has no legal standing as a chimp. So he can't do anything to get his money and he can't pay his bills and he's all destitute and stuff. So what does he do? He becomes an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he just starts hanging out in some bar called the Oblivion Bar. I don't know anything about D.C., but I think this bar is some sort of mystical, magical kind of bar. Like, uh, I don't know. Oh, sure. So he just becomes a drunk and uh, he's drinking all day. I, I don't know how he pays for his booze. Maybe he's on that. He's a chimp. He's a drinking chimp. You give it to him for free. Eventually, he joins up with a team called Shadow Pact, who we talked about in the past. Uh, I think with Blue Devil, because Blue Devil is also a member of that team, remember? Oh, okay. Yeah. But they were kind of like Justice League Dark before Justice League Dark. They investigated paranormal stuff and everything. So then Justice League Dark comes in, and uh, Bobo the Wonder Chimp then goes over there, and he's working with them now. So I I think that's all there is to know about the Texas <laughs> Detective Chimp. Yeah. yeah, he came back into popularity, I think, around 2005 or something. Apparently, there's what was one other Bronze Age era appearance of Detective Chimp and like Secret oh. Origins. I can't remember what issue it was now, but it was like in late 1989. And in that issue, he was still just a normal chimp. And they tried to explain how he got smart because there's a a miniaturized alien race that performed experiments on his brain or something, and that's how he got smart. <laughs> but was that during it, Invasion? Maybe. I don't know, but they got rid of that backstory too. So, oh, okay. You got to prune away what doesn't work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the one about his trainer doing the carnival act with him, that seems to be the most accepted backstory for a detective chimp. So, but yeah, he got smart because he uh, drank from the fountain of youth. <laughs> seems odd. But all right. Yeah, that doesn't seem to go hand in hand. It was not the fountain oh. of knowledge. So, the writer for this story is a fellow named Mike Teffenbacher. Yeah, it's quite the name. Yeah. He was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1952. He was the executive editor of the Comic Reader fanzine. And his first published work was DC Comics Presents issue 28 in 1980. So just seven months before this. And he only has six writing credits at DC, including five issues of DC Comics Presents and one issue of New Talent Showcase. So that's it, just six. But one of them is Detective Chimp. Pretty good career, if you ask me. And the artist yeah, here is been on that for years. Yeah, and the artist here is Gil Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Many times. yeah, he's one of the best. And he drew issues 28 through 35 of DC Comics Presents, as well as uh, annual number three. So those are the creators for this masterpiece we were about to read. 
And let's look at the uh, story here, Jake. Whatever happened to Rex the Wonder Dog? Yep. And we see uh, like a sheriff deputy. See, this is the original backstory where Bobo helped this guy solve the murder of his trainer, Fred Thorpe. And so now he just becomes like his little sidekick, the sheriff's sidekick or whatever. But uh, so the sheriff's like, hey, uh, do you ever wonder what happened to Rex the Wonder Dog? And he's holding up a newspaper that says Wonder Dog prevents assassination. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good dog. That super soldier should be paying off. What if he had like a little shield he like carried around in his mouth? Because <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, frisbee. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. So, so uh, then we see Bobo. Bobo keeps a scrapbook for Rex the Wonder Dog. He loves Rex the Wonder Dog. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> the the way I feel about talking detective chimps is the way Bobo feels about Rex the Wonder Dog. So I mean, uh, he foiled an assassination. That's pretty impressive. So the sheriff's like, hey, here's another story for your scrapbook there, Bobo. And uh, Bobo can't talk, but he makes little noises like a chimp. And then we see his thought balloons where he says, thanks, boss. <laughs> it's pretty great. And uh, we just get into the backstory of how much uh, Bobo loves Rex. <laughs> he's, he's watching Rex in the movies. And again, he's making little chimp noises. But he says, corral those rustlers, Rex. Head them off. He loves Rex. So then he finds that uh, when Rex appeared at a local circus benefit performance, Bobo begged to go. <laughs> and yeah. Bobo's, Bobo was so excited that he paid him his lucky dollar. That he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> yeah, what was the point of all that? I can't even remember what the point of that I don't was. Know. <laughs> yeah, they, they make a point of it that he had a uh, he paid a, his lucky dollar. Also, Bobo wears like a yellow uh, hat, which reminded me very much of Curious George and the Man in the Yellow mm-hmm. Hat. Yep. Although Bobo seems to just keep his hat strapped to his back. <laughs> he doesn't really wear it. <laughs> he might be a slightly more intelligent chimp, but he hasn't figured out the <laughs> intricacies of hat. <laughs> so he's at the uh, circus there, and he's looking at a poster of Rex, and he's pointing at it. And again, he's making little chimp noises. We plup Rex Rex. <laughs> but in his thoughts, it says, ripe bananas. It's my idol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good dialogue. So they go into what's the circus act. Now, what happens here, Jake? Because it looks like, if you ask me, it looks like Rex screws up, right? Doesn't he? Doesn't he like, yeah, screw up they, on the high wire? They say something about like the wire over here is is thinner than usual. <laughs> like Rex the Wonder Dog <laughs> is is questioning like what's going on here. But then oh, he yeah. falls off. So it seemed like like somebody was trying trying to set the wire, or cut the wire, kind of like what happened to Dick Grayson's parents, like where somebody like cut the wire so they ended up dying. But I don't know. I see yeah, that habitat. So, yeah, we get in the, the head of uh, Rex the Wonder Dog, too. We get to read his thoughts. and uh, But Rex survives. He falls off the wire, but he still just lands fine. Everyone's happy. They're clapping. Bobo's loving it. Think, they, everyone thinks <laughs> it was part of the act, you know? Yeah. So they go backstage to meet Rex. And, <laughs> again, Bobo is talking. He's like, the guys in the Secret Seven will die when they hear I met Rex. I don't know who the Secret Seven are. Me neither. Not a clue. Man, if there were like six other chimps, that'd be awesome, but I'm guessing they're not. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but Rex says apparently they can uh, communicate telepathically or something. Mm-hmm. Because then Rex says, hey, would you like a souvenir? <laughs> and uh, Some fireman gave me this collar for rescuing their Dalmatian. <laughs> you may have it. <laughs> wow, it goes in my Rex scrapbook. <laughs> all right, a couple of things about this. First of all, 
Rex, how about having more respect for the guy who gave you that call instead of just calling him some fire? <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. And giving it away immediately. <laughs> and, I don't and, want this shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like one of those blockbuster boards. It's like a big surfboard. I don't have any use for this. <laughs> but look, he's got his name etched into it and everything. That's, that's quite the gift. But then Bobo, I mean, I love you, buddy, but you can't put a three dimensional collar into a scrapbook. Like, it's going to be, it's not going to fit, really. So, you get one of those books that's like, you know, has a secret slot cut into the pages, maybe. Yeah, but there you keep your flask in there and you keep the booze in there. Yeah. yeah. Then the, Rex thinks he smells the scent of evil. Look out. So a cop comes in, he says, Sheriff, come quick. And Bobo doesn't even care. He's just holding up the little collar. And he's like, hey, look what I got, boss. <laughs> Shiny. <laughs> but while the sheriff goes with the uh, deputy or the other, uh, or the, yeah, he's the sheriff, and uh, the other police officer to see what's going on. Uh, oh, someone stole $10,000 in charity receipts from yep. the box office. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm sure it was for charity. Including that lucky uh, Liberty dollar that uh, <laughs> that Bobo wasn't supposed to give away. Yeah, Bobo's got to get that Liberty Dollar back. But uh, Bobo walks out, and he sees Rex going off on his own, you know, going the opposite way. He's like, huh, look what Rex is doing. I want to follow Rex. He went this way. My lucky Liberty Dollar, I gave it to those guys, and it's gone. Maybe Rex is getting it back for me. The scent grows stronger, at least to that ship. Yeah, so they uh, find a ship, and then they uh, stow away on this ship. They just jump into a hole on the ship there. Yeah, they're quite the little detectives. Rex is like, hey, uh, hey, my friend from the circus. Yeah, like you just saw him like a second ago. <laughs> so Rex couldn't pick up on uh, Bobo was following him. He's just apparently not. Yeah, they're not. They haven't gotten the fountain of youth yet, so they're not that bright. But I, I like this picture of uh, <laughs> when we see Bobo and Rex from the back. They're peeking out over that hole in the ship there, and uh, they're watching the guys run away with the money. And now they're jumping on a speedboat. And uh, Rex and Bobo are like, hey, we'll just follow them on land. <laughs> Guess that would work. But they're uh, racing after yeah. them. I don't know about that. They can't be that quick. Just keep up the speedboat and water. But they encounter uh, some alligators. And uh, uh -oh. Rex says, great Scotties, look out. One of my <laughs> old tricks, but it usually works. He jumps on the alligator's back. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that's a trick or how it works. But the alligator uh, whips him with his tail. Now uh, Bobo's thinking, uh, the marshal took care of the galoot, but he's wounded. Why is he calling Rex a marshal? Now, it, I guess Rex is lying in a pool of water, but it looks like a pool of his own blood. Yeah, he looks <laughs> dead. <laughs> he looks dead as that panther in the last story. He, he does indeed look dead. But Bobo's like, what can I do to help him? You know, he's too heavy to carry. Uh, he looks he like, looks I, like I, I do after too much popcorn. <laughs> He's like, his deputy must find him water. So, yeah, this Bobo is pretty dopey at this point in his life. He is kind yeah. of dumb, like uh, calling himself deputy at that dog marshal. Yeah. And so, yeah, he really needs to find that uh, fountain of youth. But, yeah, water, that'll fix him. So he, this is the reason why he has the hat. So he fills yep. the yellow hat with water. But little does he know, this water is the fountain of youth. And Bobo's like, hey, we'll bed down here tonight, okay, Marshall? And, and Rex is like, I... I will remember you, friend, because the one thing that will cure you from being whipped by an alligator's tail <laughs> is a hat full of pond water. I don't really. But I guess it is the fountain of youth or whatever. So I guess yeah, it apparently makes you not only young, it heals all of your injuries back to when you were that age. I don't know. 
and a day passes of them just out in the woods there together. And uh, Rex says, I feel great. The hurt is gone. And so is the stiffness in my legs. And Boba's like, hey, should we round up those outlaws now? It's a day later. I'm sure those guys are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were no, trying they're... to follow them in a speedboat. They're way away from here. But now they're just in a little shack, though. They track them to this little shack. But they uh, cause a distraction to bring the lure the guys out. So it's just like Rex yeah. jumping on top of Bobo and yelling at him. <laughs> they both start shrieking, basically. Yeah. So the guys run out like, what is going on? A, a dog's beating up a dog's chimp. trying to kill that monkey. But then uh, Rex and Bobo leap into action, and they swipe the guy's guns. Or is this where they use the bang bang stick line? Or? Yeah, the marshal hates bang or bing bang sticks as much as Deputy Chin. <laughs> bing bang sticks. <laughs> so they grab the bing bang sticks, and then Rex uh, jumps the guys and knocks them down into the boat, and he has them pinned in the back of the boat. Oh, Bobo takes the wheel. <laughs> They're smarter now if he can drive a boat. But Bobo's just excited. Got my lucky dollar back. But my boss, the sheriff, <laughs> will have to open the bag for me. What? You can drive a boat, but you can't open a bag? Come on, Bobo. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Uh, and then Rex is thinking, we must return the way we came to find my master. He will take care of these evil men. Yeah, so there they go. And then uh, we cut back. We see the sheriff and uh, Rex's master there on the dock. Like, Sheriff, look, Rex and Detective Chimp with the circus money. And they're like, hey, good job there. You uh, got that money there, Bobo and Rex. Good job. We're going to give you some more, like, uh, souvenir medals and stuff that you'll give away because you don't care about them. Yeah, so then uh, we go back to the sheriff's office, and there's uh, Bobo jumping around like a, a monkey. thinking, but He thought Bobo might be ill, so he took him to the vet. And he's like, no need to worry, Sheriff. Bobo's perfectly healthy, 18-month-old chimpanzee. And the sheriff's like, 18? 18? What the what? <laughs> but there was no mistake. Bobo really was 18 months old. Again. Only after I called the crook's hideout was on uh, Bimini did it add up. Bobo and Rex had done what uh, Explorer Juan Ponce de Leon couldn't. They found yeah. the fountain of youth. Wow. This Rex the Wonder Dog. He got super soldier serum and then also drank from the fountain of youth. What a charmed life. But uh, so Rex or Bobo is watching TV, and there's Rex the Wonder Dog. Now he's on the moon. What yeah. is going on? <laughs> he was just in a circus act yesterday. Now he's on the moon. What a life! Yeah. They're like we, you never know when you might need a dog on a space mission. <laughs> he might come in handy. Uh, then the next issue coming soon. Whatever happened to Rip Hunter, Time Master? Yeah, I, I, no I, I don't know Rip Hunter. You know Rip Hunter? <laughs> Yeah, he was the like the main character on uh, that. What was that? Uh, Legends of Tomorrow show in the CW. I have no idea. Yeah, he's pretty good. But the there it is. Uh, wait, a CW show wasn't that great? That's crazy. That's hard to believe. <laughs> I know. Shocking. So uh, there it is, Detective Chimp. What do you think, Jack? <laughs> well, I mean, aside from the <laughs> lack of detective. In this chimp, um, yeah. this is, I guess, an origin story before he, you know, learned to be a detective. Well, he technically, no. Technically, he has already been a detective. Actor. He solved the murder oh, of right. his trainer, and not, that's how he became the sheriff's uh, deputy. So this is the height Maybe of he his... solved the murder, by like, you know, like a chimp on uh, Columbo, which is like his <laughs> fingerprints are on the killers. Yeah. <laughs> Medallion. And because that's what has... led the guy to the... 
he does no detecting here whatsoever. Not even no. a little bit. <laughs> He's just basically following Rex the Wonder Dog's lead and uh he just wants to get back that lucky dollar. That's all yeah. he wants. Very simple goals. <laughs> he could care less if guys get away with the money. Just as long as he gets his dollar back. You know? <laughs> oh Bobo cares about Had not money. <laughs> yeah, it is a little underwhelming detective chimp story, sure. But uh it's a story about a chimp, so it's awesome. But uh Yep. We needed to get some contenders for best chimp. It does give us bing bang stick. <laughs> yep, we get some incompetent thieves who just apparently drove to like this deserted island and then we're just gonna hide out there with their money forever. I, I guess you could say that uh this fellow who wrote this, Tiffenbacher, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. He he does write it like it was written in the 1940s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it does. Yeah, the I would have assumed this was it from the 40s if it didn't say all new on the cover. Yes, very much so. So, all right, there it is, Detective Jim. So overall, Jank, for uh, DC Comics Presents issue 35, what would you give this issue? Hmm. Uh, you know what? It was it was a fun time. I'll give it a seven. Uh, again, not, it wasn't amazing. Uh, uh, it might break this on the bad comic scale versus the yes. good comic scale <laughs> for sure. But, uh, yeah, it, it was fun for a bad comic. It definitely had some crazy moments. The art overall was pretty good. You know, some of the, the Gil Kane stuff wasn't my favorite. It looked very kind of forties. Like you said, it kind of kept in keeping with the writing. Detective Chimp looks very strange in some of these panels. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> But, but there are some panels oh, he looks awesome too, like especially shots from behind where you can't see his face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he looks like a good chimp there. But uh, yeah, his chimp is the body. Yeah, his body language down. So seven out of ten for you. I, yeah, the Superman story is terrible, but uh, the guy wants to have sex with a cat. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty memorable. Yeah, and, and the backup story is about a chimp. So uh, I guess the backup story would get a, a, a ten, and <laughs> the first story. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> would uh, get like a two so but no uh, yeah I think seven we'll, we'll go dueling sevens here we'll, uh, yeah, I think that's fair it was a fun time next week on the big show it's my choice and again we're going back to DC I, I considered doing Marvel Comics Presents to play off the DC Comics Presents yeah. but the problem is that the, the only issues like that came out in like late 88 89. So really, the only issues available to read have Wolverine in them, and we just did Wolverine recently. Yeah, that's true. And there's a couple, I guess, with Colossus. We should get some other backups and stuff like that. Yeah, but none of them look really good either. Yeah. So if you want to do an X Men book soon, anyway, then yeah. So (laughs) we're not going to do that. Get a little overlap with that. And we've done pretty much every Marvel book out there because again, I wasn't picking anything but Marvel for mostly (laughs) four years. So I think we're going to be doing DC here for a little bit, sadly. But we're going to go to that book that I remember from my childhood very vividly. This was one of my favorite books when I was a kid. It's All-Star Squadron Annual 3, 1984. And uh, this is like the Justice Society, like Earth 2 kind of heroes, you know? Okay. I love it. When I was a kid, I loved All-Star Squadron. Big fan of Justice Society. But remember Earth 2 Superman? He was like a yes. little older. He had like gray on the temples, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's seen fantastic. Some shit. Yeah, this <laughs> Superman's been through some shit, you know. He he's like, I like that Superman. I like that guy. 
I think he's involved in this. Like Our Man's in this. The uh, Alan Scott, the first Green Lantern, Doctor mm-hmm. Fate, yeah, all Black Canary, all the old uh, cool, thanks. all the cool <laughs> people from DC are in this book. So, cool, yeah. it's a bold statement. And like, all there's right. several artists to work on it because it's a it's a big book. So you're gonna have to set aside some time to read this. It's pretty long. Oh no. <laughs> It's like a hundred page special or something. Well, it's an annual, so I don't know the <laughs> yeah. exact page count, but I'm guessing at least 48 probably. So, yep. Gonna have to... Hope they didn't go 64 that year. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, cause it's crazy. I, I remember this book so well, but I couldn't remember what it was. I remember it was something All-Star Squadron related, but then I had to go back through and I finally found it in uh, annual three. So I'm excited to read it again. Because just flipping through it, I I can still remember some of these panels, you know, from all these years later. It'll be a good time. That's next week here on The Big Show. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Jank will take you to dinner if we uh, hit 100. And uh, I think that's it. So thanks to Jank. Thanks to Detective Chimp. And until next week, don't get any jank on you. <laughs>